Hello and welcome to episode number 282 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good. Always a good week when we're back in the cinema. Yeah, it is something a little bit different. Um, not necessarily a horror movie this week, but something that we did want to check out. And it's not like we have a a bunch of stuff pulling us away right now, um, because is it is it is the classic quiet January. We kind of got like, oh, here's maybe the biggest horror movie of the year. Um, <laughs> it might even end up being the highest grossing horror movie of the year. And then just nothing else for a while. Like, I can't even remember off the top of my head what the next sort of theatrical horror release is. Um, like, it must be March or April at this point, because I'm pretty sure there's nothing in February. Um, a while away. So, yeah, we're going to be checking out little movies like this. Obviously, we've got plenty of stuff to, like, to get through. We've obviously got always Wes Craven. Movies, little 60 million pound movies. <laughs> yeah, directed by, like, the guy who's coming off of the best picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, little movies. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I obviously we're very excited to check out Nightmare Alley, which we'll be discussing shortly. Um, but yeah, as far as news, again, keeping it going, the trend recently of almost no news. Um, there's only one news item, and to, so it's about Scream. Um, there was a couple more little things that basically the filmmakers have been saying that they're, they are 100% down for a sequel, um, which I think was the only thing Everyone i was like money <laughs> that was the only thing that i was interested in really because i think it's only a matter of time and i'm honestly shocked that we're not talking about it now so stay mm-hmm. tuned for probably next week um yeah. for the kind of green light because i think it's only a matter of time um but that was the thing i was waiting for was like okay we know they're gonna make another scream off the back of this movie because it's so successful will the theme filmmakers want to come back or was this just like they're one and done but the fact that they're already saying like no we had a blast and we we would love to do it again like yeah it's it's definitely going to happen um but yeah this kind of th- this has got a bunch of spoilers i mean this is completely spoilery so like should we should we save this until the end of the show um Maybe. because yeah it's, it's basically a, a whole there's like a list um that bloody disgusting did they did a bunch of interviews with the filmmakers in the past week um talking about loads of different um cameos and easter eggs and references to wes craven's past and and they kind of put it all together in an article which i think is really nice um okay. and i kind of wanted to go over it but obviously it is riddled with spoilers so i think maybe we shouldn't just spoil scream right off the bat in 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 the no, news let's put at the end of the show and we can put a spoiler warning up at the end of the show i think and then that can be a nice little end yeah because a couple of these things we did talk about as well last week but there's definitely some in it in here that is like if you didn't know there's no way you would you would have heard it or seen it mm. you know so it's cool knowing that knowledge and i'm already like oh i can't wait to see this movie a second time now mm. knowing these cool little things um so yeah we will get to that later on um but that's pretty much it shall we dive into this week's film let's do it let's talk about nightmare alley So yeah, like we said before, this was like an interesting one on my radar um, because obviously off the back of Shape of Water, mm-hmm. which uh, it feels like a lifetime ago. God, doesn't um, it? I can't believe that is his last picture. Yeah. So obviously 2017 is a long time anyway, mm. um, but obviously 
in the last four years it's felt like even longer and so i think i've been waiting for this movie for so long um for the longest time i just knew a title it was just yep del toro's next movie is nightmare alley and that's pretty much all i needed to know um mm-hmm. i was always going to watch his follow-up um and yeah kind of the more we saw of this like i'd only really seen the trailer a couple of times um but i'd never even read a synopsis of this movie no nor did i no so it was only really what we saw of like a guy at a carnival and it's you know it's this very noir style it looks like it's 30s um and that was pretty much it um and so yeah that's kind of where we begin i guess is that we didn't really know much about this movie other than we really want to see it because of obviously it it being a del toro film um and also we kind of knew didn't we off the bat that i think we even discussed like in the news stories ages ago like he's not making another horror film at least not right now no um you know even though there might be hints of horror and i think what was interesting about this movie having now seen it is that it's not a horror movie no um but the the trailer was very yeah. horry um and certainly could sell it to a horror audience um because I there think, is... i don't think could sell it to a horror audience i think was overtly trying to sell it to a horror audience mm. like you know i'm not going to i'm not going to rag on it too much because i don't want that to take away from the the movie that we saw but i yeah. definitely think the trailer was trying to sell something that it wasn't um because it was it was really trying to sell to a horror audience because pretty much every moment of horror and even things that weren't really horror but seeing Mm. a second clip of could be perceived as horror was put in the trailer um and and yeah it painted again like naively not reading a plot or anything else just watching the trailer i definitely had a different image in my head as to what the film would be and it was only because of what we've been kind of told and, and seen that, you know, the, the little stuff that I'd actually heard kind of prepared me for what the movie actually was. Yeah, well, we I think we even had it in the news at the time where it was like we, we talked a little bit about the trailer, but then it was the quotes from Del Toro himself saying, like, mm. it's not a horror movie. Um, don't expect my sort of usual like monsters and work mm. and that sort of thing, because there is none of that in this film. And we said, like, yeah, we, we, we trust you. But like seeing this trailer where obviously we have like Willem Dafoe's voiceover is, is featured mm. prominently in the trailer and he's saying, like, is he man or is he beast? And, it, and there's like the, the shot in the trailer of um, Bradley running down the corridor and he's like bleeding yeah um and it very much like i definitely got like a jekyll and hyde vibe from the trailer yeah, of like does does he transform into some sort of yeah, creature I was like jekyll and hyde werewolf you know it's gonna yeah. be something you know del toro we're gonna get some sort of creature and, and yeah that is not what this movie is especially um, off the back of his last movie as well i could i could easily see him doing another story that is not necessarily someone falling in, in love with straight up a creature but maybe someone who is half human half some other creature um yeah. Um, obviously that is not remotely what this movie is about (laughs) no but the the fact that we both got that from the trailer shows that they you know they were they were really trying to lean into the horror audience and and get us to see the film but but at the end of the day yeah and having now seen the film and and with del toro you know with with the quality filmmaker he is like we we would have seen it anyway Mm. um but but yeah i guess um yeah, this this movie's like pretty star studied, really. For you know, the, the trailer kind of just is name after name after name, isn't it? And kind of you know, our our lead kind of core cast, I guess, is kind of Bradley Cooper as Stan, and then kind of um, uh, we get Willem Dafoe and Tony Collette and Kate Blanchett, and kind of you know, the list goes on and on and on of these kind of 
um, big name actors that are in this movie. Um, but yeah, Bradley Cooper, our lead, um, is Stan, who basically at the opening of the movie, we see him kind of um, burning down this house and kind of leaving a life behind that we find out about more in the future. Um, and as he's kind of um, just trying to get away, he ends up kind of um, joining a um, traveling carnival as a, as mm-hmm. a carny and, and kind of he meets kind of Willem Dafoe's character and he kind of throws him a little bit of work as like a spare hand. And then kind of, he just continues down that work, keeping his head down, working hard and kind of getting entrenched in this carny world. And, um, that's when he kind of meets, um, Tony Collette's character. And, um, what was her husband's name? I can't, Pete, I think. Maybe. Yeah. Like um, the, Character. Yeah, and so those two are kind of these performers that are, um, I guess, kind of like a Mystic Meg sort of mind reader where they do these shows where they um, uh, trick people into kind of uh, believing that they've read their mind and kind of speaking to loved ones. And they're teaching Stan kind of, ha- the, the, you know, the, the trick behind it, really. A lot of this movie is kind of stripping the wall of these traveling carnivals and kind of showing the, um, you know, the, 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 the show and the secrets behind the magic, I guess, and kind of, you know, the, the tricks behind it. And Stan kind of becomes, um, really obsessed with it and really into it and, and starts to kind of, um, uh, perform and, and, and starts to kind of, um, take on th- this character and become kind of a, a performer of this. Um, what, what would you call the show? Because they don't, they don't call it a mind reading show, do they? I guess uh, I can't think really if they have a name for it. Yeah. I don't know. Like it, I mean, it is an, in essence, mind reading. Yeah. Um, but yeah. The, I know like mentalist is kind of like the official term of like the, the person who does it, but yeah, I don't really right. know what like the actual act is called. Yeah. But, but either way he starts to perform this act and, and starts to go big with it. And, um, and yeah, I think you know, the movie is, is pretty much split into two parts. Really. We get him in the carnival life and kind of him, um, yeah, slowly learning this trade and getting into this trade. And then we get the second half of the movie when he is kind of finding his feet and, and doing it more mainstream and kind of away from the carnival. Um, and, and yeah, um, we start to find out about his past and kind of why he's doing the, what he's doing and, and why he's kind of, um, you know, got these, got these issues that we kind of see early on with him burning down the house. And then we learn that he, um he's very against drinking alcohol and kind of that sort of thing and he's very kind of head down and hard working but you know he's got this troubled past throughout the whole movie Mm. um but yeah i mean i think you know this this is a this is a long ass movie um it's two and a half hours long um but when you when you've got someone that's kind of of you know del toro's um filmmaking ability and then people like Bradley Cooper as the lead, who's, you know, just amazing. You know, Kate Blanchett really steals the show when she rocks up. And then, you know, you've got people like Willem Dafoe who are absolute powerhouses that are, you know, reasonably small characters, but they're still, mm. you know, you, it's Willem Dafoe. Like he's bloody amazing. So like they're going to nail it even in these small bits. And, and I think kind of 
that's what this movie is so strong about that just everything about it is really good and 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 solidly made and kind of captivating and like i said it's not you know we're talking about this on a horror podcast you know we're not we're not reviewing a horror movie here but we're reviewing one hell of a well-made movie and an enjoyable movie and i think it is just um it reminded me a lot of um the prestige Mm. um and kind of um you know nolan kind of taking that kind of um uh strip back uh you know and, and showing the the secrets behind that and this this is kind of like a gr- like a darker um version of kind of you know carnies in this world and kind of um the con behind it all and i and i think that's what i really enjoyed the most about this movie was this the the con of it and kind of seeing that 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 kind of you know magician revealing his secrets sort of thing and kind of um seeing how powerful it can be on people and and kind of seeing how it is just a cheap carnival act but if you do it well it can really like have ginormous effects on people and i think i think that's what was so strong about this movie and then kind of um you know Bradley Cooper's character is really really strong obviously he's incredible as as, a, as an actor but it's also a really on paper strong character and it, it has a really satisfying arc I think I think um you know not to go into spoilers but you know the beginning of the movie where we see his character to the end where we finally see his character I just found uh, to be a fantastic journey and a really <laughs> I, I, I was going to use the word satisfying, but I'll use the word satisfying. You know, it, it just really, it felt right, you know, for where his mm-hmm. car, you know, for everything that went on. And it just, you know, we watch a lot of movies, you know, last week we talked about Scream where it had a really good start and middle and it just fell short at the end. And that's a really bit of pill to swallow. And I think, you know, this movie has a really satisfying conclusion for me that I think kind of um, worked and, and the arc of his character was, was exactly what, what, it should have been for what happened. Um, So yeah, I, again, you know, trying to keep away from that now before I go into two spoilers, but yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I think, um, like I said, it's just the, the, the level of craft that, that that Del Toro has and and how everything is just, everything feels authentic. The, The carnival world felt like incredibly well done. It was my favorite part. I think of the movie just, seeing the carnival and the workings and the acts and the different kind of acts evolving. And, um, what was it? It was the, uh, do they call him the geek? The yeah. Kind the geek, of, yeah. yeah. The, the, you know, that's that like the opening scene in, of the carnival. Yeah. Um, where we basically get introduced to this, um, mo- you know, being labeled as a monster, this man that is half beast and kind of, um, he's just like this, kind of deranged just just absolutely you know freaky looking man who who they throw a chicken to and he kind of bites the head off a chicken and and kind of you know freaks out the audience and kind of when we actually find out kind of the story behind that character and and what he actually is like that was completely fascinating and and again like part of the con of this this carnival and how dark it can be and i think i think definitely the geek character and kind of that side of it is the you know the darkest part of this movie and the kind of closest to to the to the horror side of things and and i think that's why a lot of that was put in the 
the the trailer kind of Willem Dafoe's voiceover and all of that, you know, because that was, as you said, at the the opening scene of the introduction of the carnival um, mm. was pretty much that voiceover. Um, but yeah, I really like this movie. Like I said, I I think for the for for the runtime, a movie has to get me and and captivate me to keep me you know in it for two and a half hours, and this movie did that. And I think that's yeah. the biggest compliment I can give it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I had high expectations purely because of Del Toro, um, but I really didn't know what to expect from this movie. And obviously I love The Shape of Water so, so much from his previous movie. And um, so that was kind of where the excitement was going into this. But um, I I was blown away. I, I, didn't, I didn't know what to expect, but I didn't expect what we got. And what we got, I thought, was two and a half hours of utter genius. Um, I think it was just an amazing piece of art um, that that kind of unfolds. And like you say, it is such a well-fleshed-out, satisfying um, story that is just filled with fascinating characters. I think the entire story is obviously centered around stan who is the most interesting character um but i can't remember the last time i saw a movie that a has this many amazing fleshed out characters that any one of a dozen could be the lead um but b they're all 10 out of 10 acting performances um like this is this ensemble cast is mental like absolutely mental like you mentioned a lot of them but even people like richard jenkins um who i loved in shape of water as well kind of he's not in it until like an hour and a half into the movie and ends up playing a really interesting important character and some of my favorite scenes involving him and bradley cooper um and like i say once Kate blanchett again you get a completely different vibe to what you were getting at the start of the movie when she shows up um and she plays such a pivotal role in making those final scenes so satisfying and it it really was just something special like when i was i I got to about the halfway point and i was like right i need to sort of relax and really take this in because these are the types of movies that i live for um that we don't get to see all of the time you know like we don't get to see these incredible auteurs who like you say we're lucky if we get one of these every few years you know Mm. this took four years after his last work to get this movie um and and yeah i just absolutely was in love with it like from the get-go when we get that opening scene and it is funny talking about the horror stuff again briefly even though we're obviously just talking about this as a movie this week for a change um like the it really starts like a horror film because you have like this random body being burned and this guy starting anew and you're already like okay what's happened there and then we get the geek scene that you referenced which is like so graphic mm-hmm. um in in how we see it and i was like the first five ten minutes i was like he's making a horror movie again yeah and then and then like it wasn't a horror movie <laughs> for the next hour at least and um but but like i i guess we can talk about it now um because we're kind of jumping all over the shop but like there is a lot of violence in this film um and all of it is brutal and to me really really effective Mm. um because we talked about last week with scream that obviously had really good kills and really good violence (laughs) overall but like i don't know maybe it's just because it's a scream and i'm expecting a slasher but none of it was like effective to me it was just like oh that's cool and like that was interestingly done Um, you mean i know what you mean in in this movie it's so brutal isn't it like once you get to those moments of violence i think because it's so well acted because a lot of it is this kind of slow interesting character 
character study to then be thrown into these like graphic brutal moments that just feel so visceral and real like mm. i they really a couple of the moments really made my stomach churn yeah i think it i think it is you know like you said with with something like scream it's so popcorn horror and you're kind of mm. having a good time and you're having this kind of chase scene and then get someone gets stabbed in the side of the face and you're just like oh, okay whereas whereas with this you've got this massive kind of character piece where these two people are having dialogue for 10 minutes and then suddenly you know it's a brutal scene and you're like jesus christ well this escalated and so i just think it has more weight behind it um you know even though the actual like gore if you saw like a clip of it is probably quite comparable um yeah definitely it's also it's also just you know more visceral because it's quite you know hand to hand a lot of this as well yeah um, and also you don't i guess you don't expect it from a movie that looks like this movie which mm. is like just gorgeous yeah. in every scene so beautifully crafted and i think that's what i love so much about del toro is that like this could have easily been like a pg you know mm. and you could tell the exact same story and it would be like yeah almost as effective but like there's a reason why in the uk this is a 15 is because it really goes there and and i think that is what makes it just really elevates the entire thing because this is a very dark story as you touched upon like this entire movie is filled with unhappy people people stuck in places they don't want to be people running from their problems um you know people pretending to be things that they aren't um and there isn't gonna really be a happy ending in the story and so i think that that is again another really interesting part of this movie that i think um needs to not be sort of glossed over is that because like shape of water is i think a really kind of uplifting movie in a weird way um whereas this is very dark and even though it's beautifully shot it's like mm. everything that's going on has just got this seedy undertone like even when we get like the time jump um in the middle of the movie and, and it's a very different stan and um what's the what's the girl's name is it mary uh or molly i was gonna um, say Mo- molly was in my head but, yeah i think it's molly um yeah, so yeah like w- once we get reintroduced to them it's a very different relationship to what we saw um mm. the two years prior you know which is kind of like the blossoming of, of the relationship and then we're kind of leaving together and so like once you then get back to that moment and it's very different it's like oh man this is really real and brutal and i was kind of expecting it to be a bit more you know hollywood romantic mm. style rather than just like oh no here's like the realisticness of like hey you met this man and he said he was going to take you away and fulfill your dreams but like turns out like that's not going to be the reality of the situation um yeah so there, there was just so many moments like that and i just think that it's i mean the the soundtrack again is absolutely incredible like i need to i've had this the shape of water soundtrack like on constant loop since it came out and i'm certainly going to be adding this to the to the playlist um mm. i think this kind of the setting of this movie as well is really interesting to me because like there's so many modern things that i love that are set around this time period um the sort of late 30s and and 40s um from like the style and the fashion to the music and everything Mm. but it's weird because i've never been one who kind of goes back to that era um you know like i've hardly only seen a handful of movies actually made in the 30s and 40s and i do wonder if it's a case of 
could I go back and enjoy it? Because obviously I'd be seeing the authentic real deal of, you know, in terms of the fashion and the, and the music mm. and everything. Or is it because like, I, I just love modern filmmaking techniques so much. And so I'd much rather see the best in the world right now, who I definitely consider Del Toro to be one of the best mm -hmm. making, you know, a 2022 version of that style of movie um, and getting, you know, modern camera techniques and modern, you know, lighting and everything. Because I do wonder if I could, I think, get I as much enjoyment it's, it's the level of craft and, and mm. like like you said when, when we actually get these scenes of brutality that you know that they're, they're so visceral and it's what we what we said throughout last year that the level of of kind of violence that that's just in everything now yeah. is is pretty extreme you know mm. it's it's pretty crazy really and you know i think you made a good point that this movie could easily have been a pg um and told the same story um it, it just wouldn't have been this master you know master class that we got um but but the story could have been told in that way and it just shows that del toro you know because he you know this isn't a horror movie but i think horror fans sh should watch it and will enjoy it and even when del, del toro is like oh well i don't do my usual stuff i mean that weird baby is pretty pretty out there and like all of the little glass thing you know all the little things in the glass jars and that like he he still gets some of that stuff across i mean yeah i mean he went he he came up he's come off the back of the most del toro thing ever you know coming up with shape of water and having this monster on screen for you know almost all of the running time but um you know he still has shapes of it here and i think um it uh you know it if people that are fans of him i i, I think i absolutely lap this up um you know if you, if you liked shape of water and, and that sort of thing yeah that is what's interesting in terms of like you know for the horror crowd because like obviously you know this is closer to other genres so it will never be deemed a horror movie but then when mm. you really break it down it's like it's a really dark story mm. it's got really brutal and effective violence um it tackles adult themes and I, yeah. and you kind of like when you when you really just break it down point for point it's like well why why shouldn't you view this as a horror movie like again i know it's not it's um, that it's that whole like trying to you know you know put things in a genre and, and, yeah. and you, you, sometimes you feel protective of it as well where yeah. like you you see a movie like this and because it's got all of these other things you're like, ah, that's not horror but yeah. yeah, like this, this is more tense and darker than a lot of horror movies that we'll see that we'll feel comfortable labeling mm. a horror movie. And yet for some reason we, you know, I, I'm with you that I, I share a, you know, trepidation to be like, oh, yeah, it's a horror movie. Like, I don't think it is either, but really when, yeah, when you do boil it down, I, I, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll have a lesser argument for movies that we don't even have this conversation, whether it's horror or not. I think that's why I love Del Toro so much mm. as well, because he's one of those few people that have really towed that line his whole mm. career. Where like he's like he's got one foot in like the hardcore horror audience, and then he's got mm. one foot in sort of mainstream, and then as he's walking down the line, he's sort of like making those very um art house kind of like you know award friendly type movies and so Ooh. he ends up making a movie which like i think i think there is someone like me who's a hardcore horror fan should enjoy it there is i mean there isn't mainstream appeal i guess because it's a, you know this 30s kind of noir movie um but then yeah, they, I they don't easily... do very well 
No, but then I could see this movie winning awards, and like, mm. and I definitely think it should be. Be you know, certainly, I think easily acting is the one yeah. standout. Like I say, that I truly can't remember a movie where I could point to half a dozen people in this movie that all gave ten out of ten acting performances. That were all just like, even like Tony Collette, who's like she's barely in the movie but every scene she's in she's just incredible fantastic um and like i say like willem dafoe who is you know i've said time and time again on the show in my opinion one of the greatest actors ever um living or dead um and i think he is just ridiculously good in everything he's ever been in and then this is like he's you know there's at least seven or eight characters who have more kind of on-screen dialogue than him in this movie um and and that was a little bit you know frustrating in terms of yeah. like just for me as a as a such a massive fan i wanted to see more of him but like i'm like the story didn't need him um you know the story was fine without him he served his role perfectly and then he, and then they didn't need him anymore it's weird though um, seeing him deliver a performance that was still really good and mm. not be the standout yeah. you know like you know there are all these other performances because we we haven't even really touched on molly and like yeah. her arc and performance and and character work you know she was fantastic um so rooney mara um yeah who took me forever throughout the movie by the way to figure out where i recognized her from and then i got sad when i remembered um <laughs> what is it she's nancy in the nightmare on Elm street remake <laughs> Oh real oh, god, that's such yeah. a deep cut. Like, because I, I know. she's one of those people that's been floating around forever. So I've seen her in so many different things over the years. And I never would have stuff, but like I always <laughs> like I've seen her in a couple of things, and I always go back to. I'm like, whenever I see her, I'm like, oh, this movie should have that movie should have been so good. Anyway, I, um, I just completely forgot she was in that because yeah, it's so funny. That's for the best. <laughs> um, but yeah, like she she's fantastic in in this movie and her her arc. But then, you know, when you have, you know, like Kate Blanchett and Tony Collette, both of them, when they're in the movie, they kind of dominate it with their performance, I think. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, well, I, I think that switch, you know, that halfway through switch when we kind of get that time jump, I think is really fascinating because the development we see in kind of um, Stan's character um it's when we really get the Bradley Cooper performance. Mm. I think before then it's really subtle and you've got the other characters around him and you can kind of tell he's just sneakily learning things. And then, and then we suddenly get this kind of jump and he is the lead man and kind of seeing that, um, you know, I think kind of um, half an hour in his character has barely said five words. Yeah. You know, he's I remember the unique. opening scenes I was watching and I was yeah. thinking like, oh, is he going to be like a mute protagonist like the entire yeah. film? Which, which having now seen the whole movie, that's preposterous. But like it definitely felt that way at the start. Yeah. That's clearly intentional as well because the character uses dialogue so effectively in, in the second half of the movie, mm-hmm. which I think is a great contrast to the start. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, and I just think in those ways, it's so clever how he, he knew that he needed to learn the craft. So he's not going to talk. He's just going to sit there in the shadows and learn and kind of wait for his opportunity to kind of step out of the shadows. Um, I did find it weird how he kind of latched onto Molly and kind of, you know, I, I thought he would kind of use her more in the second half of the film. And I guess like, you know, her talents, you know, she is helping him with the act quite a bit. And I wonder how, 
specialist her role is because it's because you know he's training her to do that quite a bit but kind of yeah when she was at the carnival he was kind of saying like you know you're the star i i want you i want to take you like could he not have really taken anyone and trained them do you know what i mean like i don't know why he kind of got so transfixed on her well i think that was intentional that it was kind of all part of his shtick and his act of kind of making her fall in love with him mm. because obviously that's that was his end game he wanted you know he found her attractive and he wanted to be with her and wanted to take her away from yeah, everyone i mean i guess that's so... he did. he's just kind of like got these like moments with multiple females throughout the whole movie i guess so i never like yeah. I never felt like molly was you know true love <laughs> oh no that, again that's completely intentional yeah. like he yeah. is a master manipulator and mm. i think that any you know he always wants what's in front of him he wants mm. what he can't have um and yeah he's just he's a very classic old school protagonist yeah. um which I, I yeah i i loved his performance so mm. much in this movie i think that bradley cooper is someone who we've obviously been a fan of for so long dating yeah. back to like alias and yeah. it's so awesome to see how his career has blossomed and i truly think that this and a star is born are his two best performances um you know in the last couple of years that have just been absolutely phenomenal work from him and obviously he, he directed a star is born as well so he's just ridiculously talented um and yeah he's yeah, one of those one guys of, now that i just can't just yeah he's one of those that's just yeah, yeah way too talented for this world like he just got everything to me <laughs> yeah yeah it's so funny how these people start off in these little tv shows isn't it like the john krasinski's of this world and the bradley coopers and now look at them like yeah a-list actors slash directors like, it's just crazy um the, the, the one other thing i wanted to mention as well just as like a random aside but like it's something that i certainly get enjoyment out of is that i found it funny how obviously with shape of water um it was very at least i thought got kind of got like these bioshock influences um yeah yeah. for people that don't know bioshock is like a video game series i think the the shape of water in particular like the the color palette and like the tone and style is so similar to bioshock and i always wondered if that was intentional or not um because obviously i know that del toro is heavily involved in video games and then obviously the first half of this movie with it being like in the 30s with this kind of classic carnival feel again reminded me of like again more bioshock infinite um which Mm -hmm. is my favorite video game of all time and i think that those kind of like it is almost identical the kind of the way the posters look and you have like you know the amazing electro shock woman and then you hear like the voice so the old timey radio going like step up step up for just 10 cents see the woman you know and it's like that is so intrinsically bioshock to me and what's funny is that is a very niche thing because you're talking about a 1930s/40s style of carnival you know mm. slash circus and like and that is exactly what the start of this movie is so i do wonder if that's kind of like just a happy coincidence or not but it is funny that i can definitely see a lot of that of that game series over his last two oh, movies I think, now I think so too i think he he has to be heavily influenced by um you know i think when you know when you talk about liking this style and that sort of thing it, you know it's it's bioshock is why you know you and i like this style and kind of mm. gravitate towards it and i think it is it has become this kind of um you know thing that's you know it, it it's not what the 30s was it's this retroactive kind of looking at it in a in a kind of you know it is a little bit of a dark and sinister lens as well and I think mm. that's the specific itch that yeah. we have that's getting scratched. And and I think, you know, Bioshock did that to perfection and, and so is Del Toro. And I think when we 
when we see that um you know that that's what we really love and I, and I don't think that's what those movies were back then but it's this kind of now being able to retrospectively kind of do them I think is is what what's so good and and you know it's definitely a very weird subsect section of of games and horror that, that I enjoy as well and I think um you know I, I think that's by a shock that's caused that yeah, it was just awesome because I never expected mm. to see that in a movie of like when he's walking no. around that carnival at the start of the movie, it was just like straight out of the yeah. introduction of Bioshock Infinite when you kind of you go to Columbia and you're seeing like all of the posters, you're seeing the parade and the carnival and well, everything. You just, and, it, and, you're, and you're figuring out what this world is at that point yeah. and, and everything else. Um, I just couldn't believe it. I was like seeing that on the big screen. I was like, oh, mm. my God, this is so thrilling and exciting. And it's and they're absolutely nailing it. So, yeah, I just I love that as well as like a random aside then also like i said before i love these kind of noir stories and i think that i've only seen modern stuff mm. um obviously what's funny is another video game of mine favorite <laughs> favorite is la noir which is mm. again straight up a noir detective story set in the 40s um obviously as a modern day video game and so yeah it's funny that there's so much of my favorite things are centered around kind of this time t- period but it is all modern stuff and that's why i think this for me was like a perfect storm of like well i already like this time mm. setting when it's done right and then del toro i think brings just such like say a certain class um and like i say just overall craft where i i truly think they you get these directors who just hit a level and i think they are just head and shoulders above so many other people yeah. in terms of the overall craft like say where he can get the right people in whether it's this the amazing cinematographers the incredible composers the ridiculous cast that he's able to come to get but then also getting this cast but getting the level of performance out of every actor in this film um i just think he's an absolute genius and i think he's done it again i adore this movie um and i'll i'll, I'll be stunned if i see many movies this year that is going to be better than this for me um, because think, this is just such a me film all over for sure and i think what we're what we're seeing now is something that i hope will continue a change um and i, I don't want to get too ranty here but like uh, in recent years i found the award shows the mainstream film award shows to be pretty unbearable and unwatchable and and just kind of frustrating that that um in years gone by it felt like a director or an actor had to choose a specific film in order to get the award recognition you know um and and couldn't just make you know a banger movie that that is well well received at a box office it could you know couldn't get awards um you know i think back when lord of the rings was like clearing up at the oscars and stuff and then like you know lots of these marvel movies get no recognition and a lot of other things don't and i just think like those two worlds became so separate. And I think these people like Jordan Peele and Del Toro have found a way to make these incredible movies that will hopefully, and, and, you know, having the past shape of water and, and Jordan Peele has kind of got the nod in, in awards, but also just made these absolutely banging movies and kind of, you know, I hope that's a way forward. I think with, you know, is what you've said, we've got, so many it seems like we've got so many people now that are really at the top of their craft and making these crazy things and and they're being given the ability to do so they've been they're given the ability to not only make the movies but make the movies without restriction because i think in the past you know del toro getting 60 million for this movie is insanity yeah um and i think kind of 
you know, unfortunately, that's probably not going to pay off at the box office. But, you know, we, we've seen it with Jordan Peele make kind of crazy money with these movies as well. And I just, you know, I want that to continue. And I want the award show to get back to focusing on, you know, the, the you know, not just having to be like, oh, I'm going to do my Oscar movie now. Because it, I don't know about you, but that's how I felt, that you just have these people... And then, you know, you'd have certain actors where they'd be like, well, now I need to go and make my Oscar movie and then I'll go and make another fun movie. And it's just it's just a shame that they had to be two different things. And now it feels like, you know, Bradley Cooper could hopefully get recognition for this and hopefully, you know, also had a really good time with it and, and got to make a, you know, a movie he wanted to make as well. Yeah, it'd be nice in general just for them to broaden their horizons more, mm. but I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think no. that it's mostly with the awards, it's like a, a broken clock is right twice a day. So I think sometimes they get it right. You know, like when they, you know, get out winning best original screenplay. Like that that seems mind-blowing that ever happened. And I mm. think it was just dumb luck that it did. Um, and, you know, like I say, there is some winners of best picture, like Shape of Water is definitely my favourite of the last decade. Um, but even Parasite that I was a big fan of as well and was kind of stunned when that one so i think they do get it right sometimes but then there are so many years when it is just the classic has this oscar bait stuff that no one gives a shit about um that is going to clean up so yeah i i don't hold high hopes for that but the, the one I thing that I does either but it's just like you know it, i feel like these people making these sorts of movies can only help yeah, I think ultimately, like, we shouldn't care about that aspect of it in terms of just these designated people. But ultimately, it should just be the fans that decide what is a success. And ultimately, yeah. it's about going out and seeing these movies. And so that's, for me, where the real disappointment comes in, because this movie hasn't mm -hmm. done well at all uh, at the box office. And this continues a kind of recent trend for me of movies that I've really liked. And obviously, my favorite movie of last year, The Last, last Night in Soho, didn't do well at all. And I can already tell this this is easily going to be one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, you know, I'd be stunned if this isn't in my top three in terms of my overall movies I'll see this year because I absolutely loved it. I hope it isn't because it means it's been an incredible year, but I'd be stunned if it isn't. Um, and it just didn't do well at all. So that just continues that trend. And I think that's really... I don't know what the answer is. Like, like we see it time and time again that there are certain movies that like I say we we can report about the success stuff like a quiet place part two it was great that that movie did really well because they fully deserved it but then we just there's too many examples of amazing movies that people just aren't seeing and i just don't know what it is because like i say it feel, like it, it crushes your soul when you see a movie that is this well made and incredible that costs 60 million to make and rightly so because every it's all it's money well spent in my opinion because the end product is incredible but it's not making any money. And so like there's oh. that is going to be an even lesser chance that Del Toro gets to make this again. There is an even lesser chance that Edgar Wright gets to make a movie as good as Last Night in Soho again. It just lessens those odds each time, which saddens me as a fan. Um, but... Uh, yeah, pretty depressing note to end on. But let's just talk, like, let's just sum up the conversation in a positive way because uh, this movie is incredible. Um, I think yeah. kind of in, in well, terms of... Uh, in terms go of... Go for it. Yeah, I was going to say, in terms of recommendations, you know, I think us doing a horror podcast, we're talking to horror fans, and I think horror fans should absolutely see this movie. As as we've discussed, it's um, it's it doesn't feel right to describe it as a horror movie, but it, it ticks every box. And then not only does it tick all those boxes, it's just an absolute banger in 
terms of everything we've just spoke about uh, uh, you know absolutely incredible cast all at the top of their game and just a stellar story um i think as well just just skirting back a little bit as well i think um stan's arc and the way that the trailer kind of makes you think one thing and then this movie is another i think really did actually help me enjoy the journey when i think about Mm. it because i started off thinking like is he some sort of jekyll and hyde why is he not talking why is he doing this and then kind of when we then get that kind of second act reveal of him kind of as the showman and then we kind of see the finale and where he ends up i just think like it was it was right there the whole time it was really well done and just um like i said i it it's not a happy ending and it but it just it it was very satisfying because i felt like it was the way it needed to go yeah um, and not not a lot of movies would have the balls to do that and i, and I really respect it for doing it and so yeah, yeah. like go, going forwards again yeah i i 100 recommend this and also it's a definite cinema watch as well because it just looks mm. and sounds so beautiful it needs to be seen on the big screen just like soho you know this this is why cinemas put movies in in you know yeah, that, that's why we put movies in cinemas to see them on the big screen with the sound like this you know some movies can be seen on a tablet and you can get a similar experience this is this is 100 not one of them yeah i'm so glad that we got to see this on the big screen and it, yeah as far as recommendations go i would recommend this to any movie fan and i and i will do the so in the future and that includes obviously horror movie fans because i just think that it's such a well-made movie um you, you're doing yourself a disservice to at least not try it um obviously it's not for everyone not every movie is for everyone and that's great um but like it's so well made and if you want to see an incredible story that is just so interesting and, and to me unlike anything i've ever seen um ridiculous uh sort of character arc that is just so like say interesting and satisfying and really made me think about a lot of different decisions that we all kind of make in our lives um a movie that tackles really dark themes um a movie that has very effective violence um and is not afraid to show it and be incredibly visceral with it and the impact of said violence um yeah this just ticks every single box for me i like it was just incredible like people need to see this movie it's so so good um but yeah that was our discussion on nightmare alley uh, we'll take a short break and we will be right back So yeah, that is pretty much it for another week. Um, I think we... one thing I was just going to say before you go into your screen article, mm. um, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, and I'll just briefly go into it now that uh, I, I did finish off Dexter. Oh yeah, um, and I was, you know, the penultimate episode and spoke about the series, and yeah, having now seen the series finale and. Um, uh, you know they have pretty much ended the show again it doesn't end on a cliffhanger it has a pretty definitive ending well it has a very definitive ending and i think for me i found it very satisfying and, and a just a satisfying arc to the character and kind of end of the show that fans have wanted and and i hope fans are happy with and as a fan of the show i was yeah I, i'm incredibly happy with the revival i think 
you know that final season will always be bad it doesn't it, it doesn't make that final season better but what what you now know is you have a nice bookend and it does end in a really good way i think michael c hall came back as dexter and absolutely knocked it out of the park and i think the the new characters and the, the new location kind of um worked and gave it a different feel you know his son harrison being in it was was really good um and and yeah the the finale was satisfying and and just 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 happy with it really and i think it's something that um it, it it's a win you know to have something that was so unanimously bad and then this comeback after so long it's it's such a win and and yeah i'm so happy that it happened it's been a weird like last three or four months in a good way yeah i know like... just all these like personal <laughs> redemptions yeah, and just like you say, either either these redemptions or bringing these characters back, or just continuations and stuff like Chucky, mm. where it's like, oh, these are, you know, we've there's a lot of examples out there, and, and unfortunately, horror knows this more than any other genre of just piss poor management mm. of of characters and IPs yeah. and franchises. And so I think it's been so great over the last six months across all genres to see Chucky done well, to see Ghostbusters done well, Matrix done well, now Dexter done well. Like all of these things that yeah. have passionate fan bases that deserve better. Um and Scream as well. Is I definitely put Scream in that category as well. Like I, I think it is great. It's been slowly on this role of like not big disappointment. And it's hmm. it's great you know and like i really thought it was going to end with scream and it didn't and yeah like just having all these different things that are succeeding is just really you know i i'm just I, i'm happy to like things and so it's been a good time <laughs> you know it's why we it's why we watch all this stuff and consume all this stuff we don't want to not like it and so you know when this ip gets treated badly it is you know it, it does hurt and it is a shame and and yeah to see it done well it's just it's just it's it, you know it, it's good when you're that passionate about these things so are we saying there's a chance that this year we're going to get the first good hellraiser movie in over 40 years i mean years? I, I was literally thinking that as we were talking <laughs> about those i was thinking like we got like candy man like, you know had this you know really great sequel and and all mm. of these different things and i'm just like can it happen can we get a good hellraiser could could there be a good texas chainsaw massacre movie no, I mean, that one's, that one's long <laughs> gone. <laughs> you know, we're going to get both this year. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does feel like now's the time because I do have a bit more trust. Whereas before yeah, it would have to be ago. a million things to get me excited for, for example, a new Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, like mm. I think it's any not 99 percent of, of announcements they could announce would just bum me out. Uh, you know, other than these very rare exceptions of very specific filmmakers being tasked with the idea. Whereas now I think that there is there is hope that people can do it and people mm. can do it right. And I think we've seen we're starting to see that now that it's not for, you know, for every spiral, um, you know, and for every kind of Halloween and all this stuff mm. like there is actually franchises being done with care. Again, you really have to look at them all specifically because I think that the funny thing is off the top of my head chucky dexter matrix um you know these all have yeah, like at least some sort of component of the original creators being involved when you think um, of scream though you know yeah, that's, and, that's and, a good and, example and, and i think you look at scream and you look at the people that made it and like like we said we didn't dislike their movies but we didn't love their movies and mm. we didn't want their we didn't like their imprint of those movies in the Scream franchise in our minds. And yet they made a really good Scream movie. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and, and clearly that's because, you know, we, anyone that's a filmmaker, 
that's you know of an age is going to have grown up loving these movies at this point you know scream is what 25 years old or whatever so like you know these people out there uh, that are now making movies grew up loving them so you know the passion is there from these filmmakers and it is coming through i think and, and i and i wonder if you know that's what the transition is that if you know someone that picks up a hellraiser now hopefully has just got enough passion to, to make it good so one thing I was going to say then, and then it made me think of something else, was that I wanted to say give credit to, I guess, the the people that own these IPs for whatever reason, picking the right people. Mm. Because I, th- I believe it's Spyglass is the name of the company who kind of picked up Scream post the kind of breakdown of, of uh, Dimension, uh, what's it called? Uh, Dimension, is that right? Dimension, yeah. Yeah, um, and so you know they picked the, these these filmmakers, and clearly that was a right choice. And I, I'm not going to check it now, but I'm pretty sure Spyglass are behind Hellraiser as well. Which, right. and, and again, obviously we know David Bruckner is obviously involved, and like we're a big fan of his work as well. So hopefully this is a trend of like, okay, it's these companies getting these IPs, but they're picking the right people. I do think that I don't want to always rag upon, rag on it, and I feel like I can because I only want the best for it, but like the people at Lionsgate need to sort their shit together because they just keep picking the wrong people to, to make these sort of movies. And I'm already, you know, well, I mean, we'll get to that bridge at some point, but like, I just know they're going to pick the wrong people again. And it's like, you need to give these IPs to the right people. Cause ultimately it doesn't matter how much money you throw at it or anything. Like if the right people, especially in the writer's room aren't there, it's just not going to be a good film. Mm. Um, so it all starts on that day one decision of like, who are you picking? Who's directing this movie and who is writing this movie? Um, the problem is though, that's a difficult job because it just proves like we're idiots. You know, we, oh, yeah. we, thought the, we thought the guys for Scream didn't sound like the right guys for the job and they did a banging job. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's bloody tough to know who the right people are. Sometimes it's an obvious choice, um, but, but it's, you know, sometimes it's really not as well. I wouldn't go as far as to say we ever said we thought they were the wrong people. No, um, no, you're right. But because I guess, we, like, we just specifically we didn't like their last movie, but we no, liked their work no, beforehand. We always caveated that, like, yeah, yeah, we never said that strongly. But do you know what I mean? Like, they wouldn't, if we'd have been given a big list of names, we wouldn't have put them on it. Let's put it that oh, way. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? It's not like um, if you're doing the kind of fantasy booking, no, you wouldn't have yeah. said, like, oh, yeah, the, 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 the dual directors of a movie we didn't like, let's give them our favorite yeah, horror exactly. franchise. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, like I say, just a, just a week removed from it, I'm, I'm still thinking about it a lot and still want to, you know, I really want to see it again. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Especially having read this as well. So yeah, mm-hmm. I guess um, full spoiler alert for Scream. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, this is the end of the show. So this is all we'll be talking about now. Uh, so thanks for listening. If you don't want a Scream spoiled for you, obviously check out last week's show if you are ever in for all the Scream spoilers. Even mm-hmm. though most of our sh- discussion last week was spoiler free. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, straight spoiler. So th- so th- uh, full credit to Bloody Disgusting for this one because this is just straight up the article that I'll be going through um, from Megan Navarro who um yeah they had a bunch of interviews with the filmmakers and this one specifically is about like easter eggs and cameos um so straight off the bat uh we're kicking it off with a little bit of matthew lillard um who is involved and in this movie multiple times um (laughs) so he he does the voice of the flamethrower ghost face in the stab eight clip (laughs) that's beautiful (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah which is just hilarious um and then basically and i think this is a moment we'll be tying back to a lot is and this is the scene that i can't wait to kind of rewatch when i when i rewatch the film is the party sequence at the end um it is riddled with kind of easter yeah. eggs and voice cameos um and yeah so matthew lillard does adr in that scene um there's like it says here there's a line when amber's walking through the party and there's a couple right before she turns into the kitchen and Matthew's ADR says, cool house, Freeman, um, you know, a, a sort of voice off off screen, um, yeah. which is obviously funny because it's his house he's commenting on. <laughs> um, so that's kind of like the first major one. Like, it's pretty interesting because obviously we saw the return of, of Skeet um, from the first movie. And so it's cool that Matthew is in there as well. Um, the next one as well is very exciting, which is Drew Barrymore, um, also in the movie. Um, again, in sort of audio cameos, um, she plays the principal who's making the announcements at the beginning of the movie um so kind of right off the kind of intro the the non-kill intro shall we say um we then obviously get the kids uh, the picnic tables outside and we can hear the principal making announcements um that is drew barrymore um which is one that like i i'm almost surprised that wasn't noticeable um because mm. drew has such like an easy to recognize voice um yeah, so like that's one that i already because like ones like matthew just saying a you know a line off screen in a party might be very hard to pick out I, like, yeah obviously i'm reading it here but like who knows how clear that is in the scene whereas like i remember hearing the principal's voice yeah i just I didn't take in who like, it was you know there, there's loads of background noise at the party whereas mm. like that is a definitive like audio clip from the movie so in a very yeah. clear voice for sure and then obviously the, the so the going back to the party obviously they're throwing it for wes um mm. obviously wes uh, hicks who is dead at that point but obviously it's a dual reference to wes craven um and we basically have a whole bunch of people providing voices at said party uh jamie kennedy is involved and does a line um he says someone's goofy ass dad is kicking us out of the party um we also have henry winkler has a line um as well as adam brody and hayden pantanaire from scream 4 is involved so so they literally got like everyone That's they nice. pretty much could get involved which yeah is it's just lovely that they they felt the need to do that and make it feel like this sort of one big happy family mm. which i think is great um and obviously yeah they knew kind of ski was involved um but yeah that's pretty much all of it in this article there was another thing i saw that was regarding um i believe his character's name was vince who's kind of he gets killed off very early on he's like the guy in the bar who they're like having the confrontation oh, with yeah yeah okay yeah he he has like a load of fake tattoos and all of those tattoos are references to like wes craven um in right. some capacity he has like a little duck with a freddy hat um there's like a tattoo that says like wc and then 72 which is obviously to represent the year of his first movie um you know last house on the left so like again like they really went the whole hog i think in these mm. small moments and i like say it, it adds to the whole experience of like positivity and, and like i say going into a second viewing whenever that will be I, I already can't wait to know all this knowledge and especially as well we talked about it last week with the easter egg of kirby being confirmed to be alive on kind of like the youtube page yeah. um so that's that's that sequence is going to be one especially when we have it available at home to like pause, pause rewind and just, watch yeah. again because i'm like right i need to hear matthew's voice as the as ghost face in the film i need to see hayden being interviewed in the corner like there's so much going on in this movie i think um, as well like even if you don't like, you know, in our first cinema view, and we didn't pick up on a lot of that. We picked mm. up on, you know, a chunk of the Easter eggs, but not not these very niche ones. But I think 
even if you don't know they're there you get the feel of love and craft that's gone into it and the fact that this is made by people that genuinely care and i think you know just hearing all this stuff makes me happy that 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 feeling is right that these the 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 filmmakers genuinely cared there's a really and and i think that the biggest thing at its core is this massive appreciation and respect for wes and I feel like that party and having a character called Wes and then kind of having this party that's saying four Wes could have felt quite cheap and could have felt quite, you know, disingenuous for what it's trying to do. And and it really didn't. It really did feel like a toast and, and, a, mm-hmm. and a nod to, to, to the man. And I think kind of, you know, we're, we're clearly super fans of in this podcast. You know, we're, we're midway for a retrospective of all of his movies. But um he really doesn't get that that love i don't feel um in in the genre let alone outside of the genre but within the genre that he should and i feel like i think that was one of my deepest hidden fears going into this movie that the filmmakers wouldn't be respectful of wes they would just be excited to get a big ip and almost be like oh yeah scream's a massive franchise it was directed by someone you know but like no they they genuinely you know tipped their hats to him in in a way that i felt was sincere throughout the movie with and with all this other stuff it just shows that there was real love there i think yeah i think that's the thing is like we i I didn't expect it where like Mm. say i because i think it is because of the fact that he has been so kind of underrecognized his entire career and still continues to be unrecognized for his Mm. achievements in film that i didn't expect that level of love and Mm. care to be shown to him where like say i thought it i thought we'd get a very brief you know thanks wes at the end of the credits or whatever but like i say i i totally thought it would be a case of well that's in the past sort of thing we will have screamed the franchise whereas yeah the fact that it is so much about the guy you know it's Mm. all about wes craven i do think that is it definitely adds to it and like i say you can feel that love from them and it and it's definitely reflected back so yeah it, it, it's a great it's a great experience like i i'm really looking forward to seeing this movie again i, like say, I, say, I just want to watch it again now yeah because we said didn't we last week where it's like we both have a feeling that we're gonna like it a lot more and, and i've always said as well i think i said it last week where to me the subsequent viewings of a screen movie are actually way more important than the first time viewing because i get it that it's a whodunit and so you have all that you know you wanting have, to know who it is giddy, you have that giddy excitement the first time but then you, yeah, get, and to, also, then you get to unpack it afterwards you but know? like so but obviously and then you have either the the excitement or unfortunately for us the disappointment of who the killer was but like that's only ever your first time watching yeah. it like i we we've seen scream and scream four and obviously the other ones as well so many times <laughs> like literally i've seen scream four at least 50 times and so like i've only ever seen it not knowing who the killer was once and then every right. other time i've seen it i've known who the killers were so think, like ultimately well. it's more important if i like the movie knowing mm. who the killers are so that's why i'm really excited for my second viewing i think as well like when i actually think of the, the killers and stuff one in four are the only ones that really landed as an arc for the killers they're on screen throughout the whole movie and they have a genuine arc and story that's told without you realizing throughout the movie. So when you watch them again and you see Billy Loomis, you know, um, you, you see that whole development. Whereas in two and three, the killer's there, but they're really not showing any reason <laughs> behind it. And then they just like, guess what? I'm Billy's mum. Do you know what I mean? So like, it's not... It, we you didn't know, like that. I'm just saying it's not like this... <laughs> crazy I know, I know what you're saying. it was just like it was oh that's cool oh it's billy's mum that's cool whereas in this one it was like oh okay these characters just 
don't have like oh i'm billy's dad <laughs> you mm. know uh, but but other than that like do you know what i mean it's not this pop um yeah. with the other ones either and so i think now yeah now i just know i can just enjoy all the other crazy stuff i and i'm really looking forward to that party again because i think you know i i really enjoyed being back in that house and seeing that house and, and now knowing all this other stuff is there as well i want to enjoy it even more yeah for sure um but yeah, I guess uh, just before we end, I think we have to give a quick mention um, to to a horror movie that we both watched together over the past weekend. Um, because of <laughs> because we can't just go a show without mentioning it. Um, <laughs> because it was our first time watching this movie together. Um, True, which is which is strange. Yeah, because I've already seen it at least six or seven times at this point, um, which was Psycho Goreman, of course. Like, we have to give it its, its weekly shout-out. And yeah, it was just a joy, wasn't it? Like, it's just... Every every second of that movie just feels like just a joy. And it just... It, it, it's one of those movies now that's elevated to that status of it just puts a smile on my face the entire time it's on. Um, and that is a great feeling that a movie can give you. What I found was watching it again this time was that you get this really i spoke about the giddy excitement of a screen movie the first time you watch it but i get this like giddy excitement watching pg where i'm like oh can't wait for the cop yeah and then you get the cop and then then you're like oh no wait i I need um the um the uh, what oh, bloody i'm drawing a blank what's the death called what does he call it oh, the, the warrior's um, death warrior's death like yeah. oh man we're getting warrior's death <laughs> next and like all of these things and it's just it's just kind of how it um continues to elevate and and like the beginning of the movie is pretty mental and it's nothing compared to where it gets to like <laughs> three quarters of the way through and i think i think like i'm never truly prepared for it and yeah. it's, just, it's just always a fun journey yeah the, we, we just we just need more like it's i already as we mentioned before that they're so crazy with the merch they're doing like an official halloween mask now um later this year Brilliant. um so i know i'm gonna have to pick that up um but, but you yeah you have one with your comic book that's just a little cardboard thing. This is like the fully, you know, oh, the, the, the company okay. that made I the thought, Goosebumps ones. I thought ones. it was like a latex mask that you were getting with the comic. <laughs> no. Oh. Um, no, this is like, yeah, no, this is, this Jesus is crazy. Christ, what did you pay all that money for? <laughs> for the comic book. I didn't want a cardboard kind of mask. <laughs> I thought you were getting a proper latex one. No, no, well, no. Like, that was never are. part of the thing. It was now, literally now just are. a comic book. Um, but yeah, no, this is like, I think it's Trick or Treat or something. I can't remember. It's the company yeah. that did like really high end. They did like the haunted mask from goosebumps the tv show and all this stuff so yeah they're doing a pg mask yeah i know i've always wanted one of those (laughs) um so yeah like i'm glad they're keeping it there but like come on man like steven give me that announcement that i need like that's all i want from this year is that at least an official announcement that you're making more pg in any capacity prequel sequel tv show film preferably on shutter would be great um but yeah they, they need to make it happen um but yeah, that is it for another week. Uh, as far as next week goes, who knows? <laughs> who knows? We're in we're in that weird wild west time now where anything could drop, or it's most likely going to be a Wes Craven movie. Yeah, like so. Yeah, remember how we saw the advent calendar and we just didn't mention it the week before? It's going to be yeah. like that. <laughs> like, it's just going to be 
random horror movie or Wes Craven. Yeah, um, or, we, or we get bored of trying to find something and just decide let's watch a Wes movie. <laughs> yeah, the one thing I will say is that um, I am enjoying new movies a lot at the minute, and we because we haven't had anything bad either. I, I always want to save a Wes, and in, in case yeah, we get like a truly yeah. piece of shit, and then yeah, we need like a, okay, let's just have some fun. So I'm definitely down oh, to yeah, watch some we, more we new were stuff doing now. That, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, this is a Wes movie we've not seen, so we don't know what it's going to be like. <laughs> True. It, it, doesn't, like when, it doesn't look good. <laughs> yeah, it's more like when we know we've got Hills of Ice Part Two to like we're like we're gonna we're, that's a banker we're gonna say that's that the thing. Episode. Even right. like Swamp Thing, which isn't a great film, I oh, enjoyed yeah. the hell out of watching that, but more specifically talking to you about it because it was just ridiculous. And I do, I got a feeling that Deadly Friend is going to be like a similar vibe to that. Yeah. Well, um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, the, you know the fact that we literally talk about where's every week and yet mm. we haven't seen his entire film catalogue is kind of disgraceful. So the fact that we're now filling those voids, like I, I really look forward to those episodes. I'm so torn uh, on I look that because to the ones we haven't seen more. Yeah. I'm so torn on that kind of concept because um I, I there's something about that always having it there. Um, like you know, like, you I've not I've not seen every Del Toro movie. I've I've seen nowhere near all of Hitchcock's films, and I've loved every single one I've seen of his. Like, there's so oh, yeah. many directors. When you know they're finite, like mm. you know, we know that like Jordan Peele and Del Toro are still making movies, but yeah, but yeah, we know that there's never going to be another Wes Craven movie. So so it is just nice to know that there's some out there that you haven't seen. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, like it, like say on one hand, as a big fan, you should watch them all. But yeah, like I'm. I love living in a world where one day I can be like, do you want to watch an Alfred Hitchcock movie for the first time ever? Like, yes, mm. please. Like, I, I live in that world, you know, so that's great for me. Whereas, like, do you want to watch a an Edgar Wright movie for the first time ever? Well, you can't. You're going to have to wait until he makes one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was episode 282, where we talked about the incredible Nightmare Alley. Uh, thanks for listening, as always, and we'll see you again very soon. See you later, everyone. Shut up, I can't Mainly because I never could How could I start that?